Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. I'm Chris. I'm Phil. I'm Gordon. Gentlemen, it's lovely to be with you all again, even if I'm still a little bit croaky. And where did that week go? Oh, it, well, for <laughs> me, it was sleeping most of the time. Oh. Oh, wow. It's not just a week. We lost a whole month. <laughs> did we? We're in August. Oh, so yes. we did. Yes. Yeah. Where mm. is the time flying? Didn't get much money's worth for July. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> come and gone. But that's the way the world crumbles. Welcome to Been There, Done That with Gordon, Phil and Chris. And we've got a little interesting program for you today. I hope that will work nicely for everybody. We're going to be talking about some interesting subjects. We'll see if we get them out in the open and... Uh, tease you a little bit by them but hopefully we'll get through them all because we found that once we start on our little conversations here in the studio we just keep going and going but we do tend to get sidetracked sometimes (laughs) i don't know who does that (laughs) definitely not Uh, so one of the things we will talk about though is communications uh, public conversations uh, conversations that we overhear or maybe it's conversations that we should have that we're too scared to have we'll be talking about those certainly in the uh, the light of current social media and public opportunities to speak your mind and some some of the conversations in the national interest then we'll be talking about anti-cruelty matters, anti-animal cruelty matters. We've got some uh, world topics to talk about, things that have happened in the gay world, around the world, that might have ramifications here in Australia for us. And uh, we'll finish off with a little bit of our Australiana, the Snowy Mountain Scheme, Snowy 1 and Snowy 2. And we'll talk about Qantas and the environment not particularly from the Qantas point of view but from the snowy point of view stay with us because as I say on set mag there is more and more and more well if we get through all that we're going to be going (laughs) you're a little bit croaky and breathless there no I was just keeping my sexy voice in (laughs) (laughs) Uh, excellent Phil, you were saying that you ha- overheard a public conversation well, that I, really shouldn't have been public. I couldn't unhear the conversation, actually. On the train this morning, there was a very, oh, I don't know how to describe this person, a very unique individual who had very strong opinions to the person on the other end of his telephone conversation. It, was it animated? It, well, he wasn't moving his arms and legs in that sort of animated form, but it was colourful language. And it was a topic 
relating to something, to some event they'd been to on the weekend where one had passed out and couldn't remember much was going on. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I not only don't need to hear this, I don't want to hear this. So it was really a private and intimate conversation. It was not for the train, definitely. Yet he didn't care. He's just... These people live in a bubble, I think, and they... I don't know if they enjoy airing their dirty laundry or whether they don't know they're doing it. But, Philip, that's the same thing with just about every train trip you take. Every time you get on a train, somebody's always got their mobile phone and they, they talk so loudly because they they the people did, don't, wouldn't need a phone at the other end they're talking so loud. Yeah. You know, they shout into their phones. That's you know? true. Now, just by that, I presume that when you see a loud-talking person... They've probably got both their ears plugged with their earbuds. Hmm. Now, that is preventing the circuit, your own voice volume control circuit, from from working. Hmm. Because normally if you hear yourself loudly, you will just temper your voice. If you whisper, yes, then your ears tell you, yes, I am whispering, yes. Hmm. But if you've got those earplugs stuck in, you can't get that automatic natural feedback a lot of this guy's volume was for emphasis to the listener oh yeah. the intended listener not us unintended yeah, listeners yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was completely unnecessary and inappropriate mm, mm, mm. So i don't know who you were sir but go away yes uh-huh. that's what that's one thing about when you travel on trains in europe they have quiet carriages where you're not allowed to use a radio or a phone yeah, and, and it's it, wonderful. You can just sit there in absolute peace and quiet and watch have, the scenery or read. On the V-line trains, they've got quiet. Yeah, carriages. that's right. Yes, yes. I've never been in one, so I don't know if it's I quiet have, or not. I have been in one when I went up to Ballarat to look at the um, Archibald Prize one year. It was a it was a quiet carriage. I would imagine if you get on and say, "Is this a quiet carriage?" They'll all say, "Shh." Yes, more than likely. <laughs> well, these days, even libraries that we've ever known as, as quiet zones seem to be speaking zones now. Well, they, they do seem to make a lot of noise in libraries these days, but um, it's uh, I've been up to the State Library and you, you thought there was a convention on or something yeah. or other. Well, I think sometimes your ears need a rest, and one of the best ways I've ever found is actually going for a, a walk in the bush. Oh, sorry, a second way is walking on a big empty beach with the the, the waves rolling in gently or strongly yeah, with the seabirds, with hmm. sort of minimal sounds, and your ears actually get a, a, a workout listening for the extra sounds. I think our Indigenous peoples... N- can actually listen over a very long distance. Do you know of that, Gordon? Well, I don't know of that, but they probably could because they, 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 if they live in the country, they're not ears are not pounded by the extraneous noises of motor vehicles and cars and planes and people yelling on, on mobile phones and what have you. But this not so much indigenous, but the term within cooey. Within cooey refers yeah. to how far away you can hear somebody. Mm, that's right. And oh. cooey is an Aboriginal word. Is it? Mm. And it's does it mean moomba? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Kui is an ab- actually indigenous word that we've uh, uh, taken for our own. Mm-hmm. Appropriated. Yep. Uh, yes, and it does indicate that you can communicate over long distances. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, if you, you could, if you, we, when we lived in, well I, well, I was brought up in WA and we lived in the country, and often mother would call us with a kui. 
All know. right. Yeah, and we knew what it was, so we had to go home. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was what it was. I know and that song. And only nine little ducks came back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I'd be that upset by a sounds in a library because when I'm reading at home, I always have the radio going. There's always another sound going because you, it's it's somebody's voice in the room as well, but you're not listening to it. You're absolutely reading, but you, there is that sound that uh, means you're not no. alone. Mm. No, I, I enjoy silence. Yeah. Not often. I was going to say, let's have some now, but that's inappropriate. <laughs> that's inappropriate on radio, isn't it? <laughs> but it, 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 One of the public conversations that we're hearing, that we're partner to or party to, is going on with our Indigenous... Yes, in the Northern Territory. Yeah. Yes, up in Darwin, just out of Darwin, I think it is. It's the Garma Festival, which is absolutely amazing because they've been having it now for quite a number of years where they get together and discuss what they would like to happen. And there have been some very intelligent conversations that I've heard on the television from different people. And they want to be recognised, and that's fair enough to me. I reckon they should be recognised. They should be in the Constitution. I don't care what Mr. Malcolm Turnbull says about it. They should be in the Constitution. They're the original people of this country. What he has done with the Uluru Statement is actually just shut down the conversation. Oh, yeah, just turfed it aside and said, not going to do that. He's not going to continue the conversation and, and ironing out any of the differences or changing his own point of view. No, no. Um, which is not a particularly wonderful way of having a, a conversation. Why hasn't he been called out on it? I don't know, but it, it just it, it's just sort of he, he was presented with the, um, with the Uluru Statement and he just completely, he just must have taken it home and read it in bed or something or other because the next day he came in and said, we're not doing anything about that. And that was about it. I don't know whether anybody else in the in the government read the read the statement or what, but it to me it's just that is so bloody rude. You run the risk of well, you can't further isolate the indigenous population. But well, yeah. you're not going to win any friends. Well, they certainly aren't. You don't don't win me for a start. I'm afraid it's um, I, I get very annoyed, very annoyed that we're treating the our indigenous population the way that we do. Just terrible. But anyhow. Indeed, it almost makes you raw. It does make me raw. <laughs> Don't get me going. As I can opposed tell you. to cooked, or oh, raw like a lion. Raw like a lion. I know a song about that. Yes, but also who sings it? Katy Perry. Katy Perry, and she she's in cons- town. Yes, yeah, she's in town and had a great concert by the sound of things, mm. according to the weekend newspapers. Yeah, they, they sort of loved her. Gave her a great, great boost. Yeah. Here she comes now. She's going to be roaring. You're on Joy. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath. Scared to rock the boat and make a mess. So I said quietly, agreed politely. I guess that I forgot I had a choice. I let you push me past the breaking point. I stood for nothing. So I fell for everything. You held me down, but I got up. Already brushing off the Shake the ground. You helped me 
Love Radio? Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Turn us on anywhere. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. Katy Perry was singing about the lion roaring mm. in that little song, Roar. Roar. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a cute, cute little song, actually. It's quite, it is. It's quite nice. But, uh, but sometimes the animals of the, the wild kingdom have had to look after themselves, whereas in what I'll call the domestic situation, animals probably can't protect themselves, walk away. I'm talking about farm animals that are walking around or herded Mm. into small spaces, but I'm also talking about um, a few centuries ago, a couple of centuries ago, 200 years or more, when animals were used where men were inadequate for the task of carrying objects. This is before automation and mechanisation. Things like the, the pit ponies in, in the mines, which would, would bring to my mind, because they would they, they would spend most of their life underground, never saw the sun, never saw the never saw daylight. Be taken down and that would be it. They'd stay down there till they perished. Till they carked it, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Think of the smell. But also, <laughs> do you realise, or does the listener realise, that until schools came along, young kiddies were actually sent out to earn a wage. Oh, yeah. For their own subsistence. Mm. Other words, they were down in the mines as well, picking up the lumps of coal that their parents or the older members of the community had hacked out of the the walls mm. of the mine. And then the pit ponies would take the big Loads pannier of, bags, yeah. which had been slung over their back, mm. up and out. Mm, take it up to the weir where they would lift it out on a, yeah. on a rope wow. and chain. Kids now, would have been handy as chimney sweeps. Oh, yes. Well, they were used as such. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah they, especially that's right. if they had good hair. A <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, Brillo head. <laughs> yes, that's right. With animal um, cruelty, of course, yeah. back in the 1800s, they had to do something about it because well, there were, it was just awful. They started to get a conscience. Mm. In, on the 22nd of uh, July, 1822, the first anti-cruelty bill was passed by the British Parliament. The start of the RSPCA, I think it would be. Would yeah, it? Or, 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 and it, it promoted animal welfare. And it Actually, was I, I've got to put my two cents. A stands for animals. Oh, does it? Yes. Oh. The yes. Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty, cruelty to, to Animals. animals. Oh, right. Not that's the right. Prevention of Cruelty to Australia. Australia. <laughs> yes, well, it could do something like that too. <laughs> yes, that's right. Sorry. It's, it's amazing how it took, it took a hell of a lot of time to get through the Parliament. People yeah. were not very interested in doing it. No. They, had, they had to fight like hell. And the, at the same time, they were actually fighting against slavery, or slavery was a bit earlier. But it they was, still had the same, same thing about slavery and, and cruelty and, to animals. Well, mm. cruelty to humans. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, the indenture of... Uh, well, well, we are animals as well, aren't we? We right? are, we mm. are. But the interesting, the first letter of the RSPCA is R. Queen Victoria came on board as yes, well. she gave it the royal assent. Mm. Yet they would have gone fox hunting. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because foxes, were, foxes were, were, were vermin, you see. And they but need, they're animals. Yeah, but they had to get rid of them. But they were only worried about the way people treated the pit ponies and the other animals that were used as as labour sort of thing, you know, that, that foxes were... So uh, just think up, up in the distort- sky in the opposite reincarnation. Hmm. You're sitting there as a non 
disclose or nondescript blob. Mm. And what are you thinking? I want to be human, human, no more animal, because every time <laughs> I go as an animal, they shoot me. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you, you go through different levels when you go through reincarnation, if you read your Buddha. But I anyhow, don't. That, yeah, yeah. But anyhow, since then, it went, to, it went from there to America, where they had the American Society for the Prince. Well, and then I, they also had the other one, PETA. Yeah, well, that, that's right. And then you've seen a change in society. And I can remember my great-grandmother actually wearing a fur stole, a fur... Uh, a fox fur. A fox fur, mm. which was sort of, I mean, a reasonable use of the fur of that animal, which was a, a feral animal. Mm. But you then find out that there were farms where little creatures were just grown... For their pelt. Yeah, minks, minks were farmed and, and ermine uh, the, what it, and stoats were farmed. And you've got to remember also that the indigenous population had possum skin coats. They had them oh, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. So everybody recognised that a fur, whilst it was good on the original animal, it was also good covering the body of humans. Well, you know why, you know why don't you? You know how it keeps you warm. Well, because it traps air. The air is, air is not a good conductor of heat. It doesn't conduct heat. It's the same as the doona, the way a doona works. It doesn't conduct, conduct heat, so it keeps the heat in you and doesn't let it get out through the doona. It's the same with fur when you wear a fur coat. So should you be wearing the fur inside out? On the outside. On the or outside. on the outside. Yeah, but so like, it, still... like it is worn because that's the, 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 the fibre of the fur catches the air. Yeah, but the and that's heat. The, that's the insulator. Yeah. That stops the heat from coming, the cold from coming in. The cold from coming and in, and the heat from heat. going out. So mm. you need the the actual skin. That's the skin's that the there. The fur is stuck into mm. next to your skin. Mm. Oh. As a snob, I would have rejected a fur coat. Would you? Second hand. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> used this before. Me. Somebody used it before you. Yeah, right. Oh, fair enough. But it, it it's a cruel. It was a cruel thing, and of course they had that whole uh, years ago when they had the whole. Um, against cr- cruelty of animals making fur coats would be wearing fur coats would be severely really uh, very very um severely reprimanded or well, and would have all sorts well, of things done well, to them well, 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 peter would throw red paint on you yes what's a protest what, what is peter the prevent uh, people against no people for oh. the ethical treatment of animals yes yeah, peter peter okay. yeah but um, yeah, they were quite famous for throwing red. They they threw red dye onto anybody that was wearing yeah. a, a fur to coat. To symbolise blood. Yeah. But they also threw threw it on people that were wearing uh, fake fur as well, because yeah. it was very difficult to tell the fake fur from the real fur. Uh, so they did, didn't take any chances. They just threw it on anything that looked like fur. But I think now that uh, society has actually turned off fur mm, mm. as a jacket from those particular sources. Yeah, but but leading on from Peter, what else was there? There was, well, I, I suppose the whole movement of people having consideration from the source material. So you've got a lot of people nowadays thinking that even if animals are humanely slaughtered, I don't know how you can do that, but the source of the meat is from an animal and an animal's got feelings, blah, blah, blah. So therefore I won't eat meat. Chris, you've also got to remember at the moment you've got this huge debate going on about live shipments oh, yeah. of the animals that are that are dying on these these shipments that are going being taken overseas for meat to the Arabian countries. You know, yeah. there, there, there's, every week you get a letter in the paper about that about how these um, animals are not being treated humanely. You know, 
So it still goes. It's still happening. Do we not know how to slaughter animals here and export them dead? But we're not allowed to because they want to export. They they have to have them um, slaughtered in their religious way or some description. Yeah, we'll send people out here. Yeah, well, that's what I would have thought too. The other thing is we we make our own abattoirs up there and uh, import the religious Mm. peoples to watch us do it. I mean, we, we do mm. it for kosher products. Mm. We mm. are supervised by the uh, the local rabbis mm. and everything. Yeah, but they could so, probably do it. They, but halal, of course. But I'm sure they, they mm. do do a slaughter animals here in Australia for the, the people of the well, Muslim faith and that sort of thing, the way they have to eat their meat. But Yeah, there's, there's money in this equation somewhere. Oh, yes. Because yes. they're not, not shipping in that way. Because they hate sheep. No, there's, there's money in it. <laughs> yeah. So we, we can't live in a perfect world, but uh, we're trying all the time to uh, sort of make life a little nicer for everybody concerned. Yes. And I'm just so glad that I grow, grew up in the 1970s where we, had, we only sacrificed vinyls for our jackets. Oh, yes, but how many vinyls did you kill for your jacket? <laughs> yes. And vinyl came from oil, so you're evil. Yes. Oh, yes. yes oh, that's my right. Too. Oh, <laughs> I'm against the earth as much as anybody. Uh, I think we should get out and protest. Oh, but Let's... thinks you do protest too much? Is that well, the way it no, goes? No, no, no. <laughs> you can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Now, Phil, you just had to leap up and ease your aching legs. Stretch me old legs. <laughs> You've only got two of them. Well, I've got a torn meniscus in my knee. No. Oh. And I need to just keep it moving. So you won't be playing football this weekend? Or last weekend. <laughs> or any <laughs> Actually, weekend. We watched, we watched the under-11s. When I say watched, we glimpsed because it's not much of a game. But they're in their finals at the moment, and oh, these right. boys are just copying what they see on TV. Oh, yes. Well, so none of them can kick a straight goal. Yeah. We've got to think about the amazing tightrope that people in the gay people in Singapore are walking at the moment. Well, they're just starting their one month of LGBTI pride from the 1st of August this year. It's a celebration that's been running now for 14 years, and it features uh, LGBTI arts, culture, and civil society events. In the uh, the same month as the as Singapore, the city state celebrates Independence Day. So uh, activities, festivities by queers for queers is the the tagline. But what did you think of the title of the the month? It's indignation. Indig. Yeah. Is that indeed? What's that trying to say? Is it? Well, we're not happy. We're not happy chappies, but um, yeah. It's well, a- I suppose in some ways they've got the contradiction of the law, which the city-state still retains, which prohibits sex between men. And whilst this law is rarely enforced, its mere existence essentially criminalises gay men. Doesn't mention the ladies, of course. Now, Chris, would that be a, a hangover from the British thing in in Singapore because it's the same thing in Uganda and some of these other Kenya and other places where Britain has been in and they brought in this the um, this uh, sex law uh, you know with men sleeping with men business and um, they've kept it in Jamaica and all these they were all sort of did of her own accord yeah (laughs) and they sit around in little tea rooms and having mint tulips 
no, in no, the no, afternoon, no. just like the English. Yeah. No, the, the, it could well have come from the I would English. say it was. I, I would yeah. say they've kept it on, yeah. But um, Singapore also prohibits portrayals, portrayals of LGBTI relationships in the mainstream media, mm. which are deemed to promote LGBTI lifestyles. Yes. And indignation comes hot on the heels of last month's Pink Dot, Singapore's annual LGBTI rally, where over 20,000 people converged to support the freedom to love in the city centre. Now, the Pink Dot says nothing about gayness or anything like that. It's just they have very subtly have done this. They've made a demonstration of 20,000 people. I just think the colour pink gives it away. Oh, well, of course it does. <laughs> but those in power may not know that. Yes, probably. Because... Imagine, I can't get my head around. They, they ban LGBTI in movies or TV or whatever. Mm. Thinking that that's going to turn people gay? Is, I, what's the issue there? Well, once again, they haven't been on the complete journey. They've had a conversation, but uh, they haven't it's, done the right wording yet. I mean, I didn't turn gay from watching TV. Neither did I. In and fact, we didn't there have was TV. nothing on TV. Well, you didn't have TV. We didn't have TV. <laughs> yeah, this is it. But but uh, it's, not the, it's not the Singapore that I remember. I've only been there once, oh, apart from passing through and waiting for another plane yeah. at uh, no, the airport. A, but it says a... What did I call it in when our little con- a benign dictatorship? Mm. But but in back in nineteen seventy two, I think we went to Boogie Street. Yeah, and that was that was an open air um, eating place and drinking place, and everybody that was gay was there. I think the whole of the whole of the gay population of Singapore was there because it was a really really quite openly gay um, environment. Um, well, it was when you got there. Well, it was. of course it was. Yes, I made it. I made it perfect. That's right. Yeah. But but no, the Singaporeans are on the on. They're progressing their rights. They're trying to change the actual they way are. that they have to live. Yeah, which is good. Visibility on them. and success in this Pride Month is vital to the LGBTI community. In this uh, item from Gay Star News by Callum Stewart, the organisers are motivated in, by belief that, however difficult, progress is possible and the progressing of the cause of LGBTI rights. We are not passive victims of ignorance and prejudice in an unchanging landscape. We are active citizens playing our part in making Singapore a better place. Well, so they're, they're not being confrontational. No, no. It's, it's, but uh, it's but the, the, the gay community anywhere in the world never confrontational. All they, all they want to do is have their rights exactly the same as other people that live in those places. You know? Yet we have things like the Stonewall riots and they, yeah, they, that accelerated progress. Oh, yeah, it did. It started the whole thing. Does Singapore, it? are they saying, well, we don't want a Stonewall? But we want the change. Well, I don't think there'll ever be another Stonewall anywhere, really. It'll oh, be. Oh, I don't know. The, there yeah. would be government forces mm. running their policies. Mm. Mm. I mean, in Russia, they just chase people out of the streets. Yeah, but there, I did read in one article that the the the, um, the gays of Russia would were saying that they wish that the Western part of the world would shut up about them and let them just get on with their lives because be, before all this was happening. 
they were quite comfortable with the way they were living. But now they've been made uh, objects of, of, of yeah, thing, so you see. But it's the reverse way that's happened, you see. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, it's not always the best way to go. Sometimes, yeah, lay low, let sleeping dogs lie. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. When Mary Walsh, 72, and Bev Nance, 68, applied to be residences at Friendship Village, a senior living community in St. Louis, USA, they were rejected because they were married, according to a report in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, the couple who had been together for nearly four decades, 40 years, yeah. uh, repeatedly visited the village and even dropped a 2000 US dollar deposit. Their plans were to move were cut short when an administrator sent them a letter saying, your request to share a single unit does not fall within the categories permitted by the long-standing policy of Friendship Village Sunset Hills. And... Can we define friendship? <laughs> I was well, about to say like the same slight thing. problem here. <laughs> it's certainly not friendship there, is it? No, well, of course, what that particular village seems to be relying on is on the definition of marriage. Marriage, yes. It's single between persons of opposite sex yeah. but to be married. But and you and cannot it is be. this form of discrimination because it suits them mm. to adopt that mm. attitude. But the American Marriage Act would have been altered well, when it was legalised, yeah, but they're we? still they're still having this whole thing because they've got religious things over there that say that you can discriminate. You don't have to make a birthday cake, a wedding cake, if you don't want, if you don't approve of, of same-sex marriage. You I don't just, have to do. I, I know the complexity of it, and I mm. know religion is oh, a problem on so many levels. Yeah, but when <laughs> it's not a sentence when you say legally discriminate, mm. that just doesn't work for me. No, no, but it does over there. Well, you know. they they think the law gives them the right to hate. Yeah, yeah. Yet hate crimes are a big deal. Oh, they're... And yeah. they're punishable deeply. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of uh, identifying where, for anybody that's trying to uh, make the system work for themselves, is to look for the pitfalls and work around them because... There might be some other r- overriding legislation that that allows uh, their act of renting a room or renting space to be interpreted interpreted as a a freedom of association, mm, but the, but and the, that's covered by a different setup entirely, which allows, in fact, you to be discriminatory. But I have a vague feeling too that when I read the article um, when it was online that they went to another place and they got the same sort of response, which was not very good either. These are two women that have been together, living quite happily together for 40 years. They just want to spend the rest of their time in a gated village, because that's what they are, aren't they? Yeah. And um, they're not allowed to. You know, to me, it just seems so stupid. The Bible is not our statute. We don't surely get our laws from an ancient, ancient document of fiction. Yes, we do. Well, we shouldn't. Yeah, we do. A lot of them come from it, yeah. Earlier on this year, in July, there was a uh, AIDS conference in Amsterdam and Prince Harry has called on everybody to put an end to the deadly stigma that surrounds HIV. That's the second time that he's indicated his support for our community. He's taken up the mantle of his mother. But but you've got to also realise that probably half the people that look after him when he's been growing up and being a servant in the palace was probably a gay or lesbian person 
Ooh. you know, you know, because there's a hell of a lot of the gay community work in the palaces. I must rub off, yeah. But but <laughs> Harry would have grown up knowing a lot of gay people anyhow. But he didn't catch gay. But he didn't catch gay. No, you're <laughs> right. But so he's he's quite well aware of the stigma that was atta- that is still attached to the, anybody that says that they've got yeah. HIV, you know. But, uh, and and he, it's good that he's coming out to say it. Yeah, Harry's actually at that event uh, during a speech to 15,000 delegates. Uh, he paid tribute to Sir Elton John and all the great work he'd done so far. And he said, I'm honoured to be sharing the stage with someone who's always put people at the centre of his work, Sir Elton John. Uh, For over a quarter of a century, Elton has worked tirelessly to fund research and services in communities around the world. And today he's come to Amsterdam to announce his latest endeavour, a billion-dollar global partnership to break the cycle of male transmission of HIV, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa. When you say, I'm friend with a gay, it just shows... But but, but Chris, Chris, just about everybody now would have a gay friend. You'd think so. You'd think so, because the the young people these days were the ones that, the young people in Australia were the ones that voted basically for equal marriage. The the older people don't realise that the younger people are, the coming generation are going to be the ones that will live with these people for the rest of their lives. I might take you to an eastern suburbs football game on a Saturday. (laughs) There are dinosaurs out there. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm not saying they aren't there, uh, Philip, but the the thing is that the, the younger generation... If they grow up, they go to school with gay guys or the girl, gay girls, you know. Yeah, they, well, it's and they and it goes on through university and everything, so that they they are they are used to knowing and it, seeing. It's gay so people. much better than it would have been in our time. Oh yeah, well yeah, certainly my yeah, time at an all yeah. boys school where, you know, if you even said the word gay, you were labelled. Yes, and it was the greatest sin on earth. Yeah, well, I was labelled, but it didn't worry me. I always used to say, "Well, you can talk about me for all you want to, but uh, if you're talking about me, you're leaving somebody else alone." And it was the, and that yeah. was my attitude through the whole bloody thing. And then, I, as I said before, I got uh, picked on one time too many, and I just retaliated and I belted up the bully. Uh-huh. And that was the end of him. <laughs> I was I was left alone from then on. After that, he was never called Little Gordon again. No, he wasn't. <laughs> you can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. We're on the last little group of topics that we're going to be talking about. We're having so much of drought at the moment and it's climate change, it would seem to be. that it will Sure, the rains will come eventually, but... It'll be too late for a lot of things. Lots of dusty mm, projects mm, in between. Yes. Way back 100 years ago, in 1918, a scheme was proposed whereby farmers who wanted to be able to divert the waters of the Snowy River inland for irrigation, rather than have it simply flow out to the sea at the river's mouth, suggested that there should be a hydroelectric scheme in the Snowy Mountains. Mm. Well, it took until 1949 and a couple of 
magic engineers from hydro schemes, so international hydro schemes, to come and convince the Commonwealth government uh, that we should move along on that way. That's and in right. October 1949, construction of the massive undertaking began. I know what the farmer who owned the land said. What's that? Dam. Dam. Yeah, well, there's 16 dams, <laughs> mm. seven power stations, a pumping station, and 145 kilometres of underground tunnels and 80 kilometres of open water aqueduct. Was it one of the biggest undertakings in the world at the time when it was built? Yeah. And um, it was the, it was the um, I think it was the Chifley government, wasn't it, that decided to do it or something? It was one of the Labor, it was Labor Party that was in power after the war when they said that that would be a massive thing to do to, to bring in migrants to make the country great again, you know, well, better we, again. Well, we didn't and have any... We didn't have the migration that we did no, until then, right. you know. But the uh, but now they're going to um, want see, to see t- t- that was Snowy One. Now they're talking about Snowy Two, which is and uh, it's a different system of using the water. Mm. The power that is generated by running downhill the water through the turbines is then used to pump water up back uphill into reservoirs, mm. so that it can be used. Again. Again, coming downhill. So it's a bit of a closed loop, except that there's always going to be losses through friction and everything. There's no yeah. such thing as perpetual motion. Exactly. No, so I don't know how many times they can actually renew, mm. reuse the same cup of water. Yeah, yeah but they have to, some expert has worked out that it will not be um, financially viable to do the thing in the first place because it, the cost of pumping the water back up the thing to come mm. back down again is not going to do any good for the cost of running electricity you know so. and can i tell you that if the rain ceases to fall there'll be no water, water anyhow. down the pipes yes, yes. precisely but so, this is where oh, they this is where i don't know where of course we, so we could be discussing dear malcolm in a muddle i don't know that snowy two will as they say get off the ground mm. but something that did get off the ground mm-hmm. way back in 1926. 1926, on the 8th of August, was the first aircraft produced by Qantas yes. came out of the hangar. It was a qu- now, it was a, qu- a, a flat pack, I think, <laughs> well, what you would call it, I think. Exactly, Gordon. <laughs> That's what happened. They said to Mr. Avron Anson, or whoever it was, Avro oh, we'll, have, we'll have one of your planes, please. Mm. And it came in pieces. That's right. And then they had to put it together. Mm. So let's hope they had enough Allen keys. Oh, I don't think they used an Allen key in those days. No. They may have, may have used something else, but it probably wasn't an Allen <coughs> key. But they finished up making a plane, and that was the start of Qantas, of course. Well, no, Qantas had oh, already, already been using they'd other... They'd be other planes, yes, yeah, that's right, but, yeah. but I think the concept of actually building your own plane mm. is in... I mean, hopefully, yeah, there was some form of quality control putting it all together. Well, there was a plane I saw in a, a, a air show recently where, in fact, it was doing a bit of a thing, and the wing fell off. Mm. So... They well, only hurled onto the side of the fuselage with a few nuts and bolts. Look at what happened in Switzerland overnight. Yeah, that, uh, old the Junker. German, old Junker plane yeah, crashed 52. with yeah, and crashed with seventeen people or something rather in it. Yeah, and it could have fallen apart in the sky as mm. well. But mm. ooh, they should have used what Bugs Bunny used many, many what years did he ago. Use? He gun. was falling to the earth at a great rate of knots. Yes, we always did. And he said, I know how to fix this. And he turned on his air brakes. <laughs> and it stopped in midair. 
<laughs> but Qantas is now one of the world classiest airlines, I suppose. And well, you know, from small, small things. acorns, big oak trees grow. Who would have imagined that, yeah, a commercial public carrier would build their own plane? I'm sorry, gentlemen, it wasn't an Avro Anson. It was a DH, which means de Havilland. I'm sorry, Mr. Avro Anson, de, ha- de, de Havilland. Mm. But where did all those little airline manufacturers disappear to? They probably Swallow. joined together and make big one. You know what happens, they take over one another and they get bigger and bigger. Well, that's why in the US you've got two major packaging shippers. You've got Federal Express, who are quick and expensive, and United Parcel Service, which was everybody else just got together. Is it time for us to go? What's that music? It is. Okay. Sounds spooky. Who is it? Not my mama, mama, mama. Lady Gaga. Poker face. See you next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Joy 94.9 in Melbourne. Joy.org.au for the world. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.